What is going on, everybody? Jamie Shaw here, back again. We are here, Absolute Basketball Podcast, Season 2, Episode 2. What a day this has been. So I've been doing the rundown. I've been sitting here all morning getting this thing together and everything, doing a little bit of research and figuring the topics I want, and all of a sudden, boom, Roy Williams retires. So obviously, everything else, all the rundown goes out the window. We're going to start off uh, the Roy Williams retirement. We're also going to get into we got Apollo Banchero um, one-on-one interview here at the end. Uh, we're going to talk about the censors in the 2021 class uh, throughout the country. Uh, give a little ranking going there. We're going to talk about some uh, some NBA draft stuff when it comes to the Elite Eight uh, and the games and, and, and what the guys are doing, in my mind, for their draft stock. Um, and then we're going to give you a little bit of a portal watch. Uh, some guys that really caught my eyes uh, this past week coming out in the, in the draft or in the NCAA uh, transfer portal. So go ahead, stay tuned, subscribe to this podcast, like it, if you haven't already, and go ahead and leave a comment. Let us know the topics that you want to hear us talk about here. Uh, again, uh, you know, thank you guys very much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Subscribe, like, comment uh, on the podcast. That helps us. That helps me in the rankings and all that type of stuff. It gets more uh, information out to everybody. Uh, thank you very much. Let's start with Roy Williams. Uh, came as a surprise this morning. Uh, you know, everybody, obviously, today is April 1st. It's April Fool's Day. Uh, the question was going, is it April Fool's? Are they, are, are they tricking us? Um, then all of a sudden the UNC um, Twitter account put it out as well, kind of confirmed everything that was, that was going on and being said behind the scenes. There's stuff that you hear rumblings about it. You hear some prospects uh, talking about it behind the scenes. You see the last couple of seasons that they've had. You see the way that they um, are recruiting a little bit there at UNC. And, and while this is a huge surprise, it's not really a surprise. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's one of those things where he, he's getting up there in age. Roy is. Um, he talks uh, very affectionately about his family and his grandkids and spending time with them. Um, you know, a family man and watching, watching the grandkids grow up and, and, and the family and, and all that. And it, this isn't a surprise. You know, when you think about it, when you take a step back um, and, and think about where it is, um, Roy's been on retirement watch for the last couple of years now. You know, everybody's like, oh, what's it, two years, three years, four years? How's it going to be? Who's going to be next? There's articles going out all over the place. You know, who's going to succeed Roy? Who's, who's coming next? So, so the shock factor came because uh, there was a little bit of smoke around it. I, you know, as I said, uh, these last couple of days, people have been texting. People have been asking, you know, is, is Roy, what's going on with Roy? Is UNC? Um, you know, and then all of a sudden the, the, the bomb gets dropped today. Um, so looking next, you know, who's next at, at UNC? The obvious thing, the, the, the Twitter chatter, uh, the social media chatter, even Roy Williams himself wants Wes Miller. The UNC Greensboro coach, he's had a heck of a run of success at UNC Greensboro. He is a, um, an alum of the University of North Carolina. That is what it seems that every direction is pointing toward. However, let's just say for, for, for conversation's sake that the board does not want Wes Miller or wants to go in the opposite direction. Who are some other names? Say that, you know, that the obvious choice Wes Miller isn't there. Who are some other names that could be involved? Well, the two – UNC or Roy Williams connected guys, Jared Haas out at Stanford and Jerry Stackhouse at um, Vanderbilt. Those are the two to kind of look at um, to see as everything with UNC, keep it in the family, hire within the family, keep it within the family and all that. But let's just say uh, hypothetically, they decide to go out of the family. You look at UNC as a program that can steal your coach. They can go, they can give a call. Uh, to any coach in the country, across the country, and uh, they would take their call. Not to say that they would take every coach, but UNC is at the level of program where they can steal a coach at the high major level. 
So in looking at that, you have to take a, take a look at the sitting coaches across the country who would be a desirable candidate. Mark Few and Jay Wright are two of them. Uh, Jay Wright at Villanova, Mark Few at Gonzaga. Um, you know, they're, they're, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff there. There's a lot of ties. There's a lot of uh, not ties. They're not tied to the program, but there's a lot of lot of things going on. Their factor. UNC really has never hired, um, you know, especially in the last you know in the modern era, has not hired a young person. Wes Miller, under 40 years old, um, despite the success, despite the the, the local uh, ties that he has, despite the graduate um, of UNC, UNC's never hired a younger person before. Looking at Jay Wright, looking at Mark Few, they've been doing it for years. They've had success. They've built um, successful, sustainable programs, and the, the, they built their programs. Villanova, uh, Jay Wright has carried that into being a, a blue blood type of conversation. Mark Few, the same with Gonzaga. You know, they're one of the most impactful programs within the country. Um, so, you know, they would be two guys to look at uh, for the UNC job as to possible directions they may turn. Also, looking toward the NBA ranks, Brad Stevens um, has a lot of. Uh, stuff around his name. He had a lot of stuff with Indiana job, uh, a lot of smoke around his name with Indiana job as well. He said at that point in time that he didn't want to go uh, back to um, college and do that. However, uh, UNC is a, a different beast from Indiana. Indiana was good under Bobby Knight. Uh, they've been up and down and all that ever since. UNC still carries some luster. They're backed by obviously Michael Jordan, um, the Jordan brand um, you know, it's, it's a blue blood that Carolina blue is something that resonates throughout the country. Uh, you have, you, you can go to LA, you can go to Detroit, you can go to, uh, New York city, you can go to Texas, uh, you can go to middle America and, uh, people will be wearing that UNC color, that UNC baby blue, um, out there. It is a national international brand, uh, that, that it is. And, and they would have to have some money and resources and, 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 Brad Stevens uh, is somebody that they could back the truck up to, write a blank check and say, come on down. And, and he, um, you know, with the turmoil he's been under this past year, obviously the, the, the first couple years that he was at Boston, it was, it was uh, sunshine and, uh, you know, all that. Now he's coming on a little scrutiny. You know, he gets bounced out of the playoffs again. What's his job security like in Boston? Does he want to continue to do that? The, the longevity uh, tenure of – NBA coach is probably no more than two or three years uh, when they just recycle and do all that. So food for thought on, on him. Also, Billy Donovan, uh, former great college. He just got uh, up to Chicago now. Um, you know, will, will, he, will he want the job or all that type of stuff? But those are four guys that are outside. And then obviously you have, um, you know, the guy sitting on the bench right now, Hubert Davis, Kenny Smith maybe uh, in the studio as well as another name. Um, that could come up, that has the UNC ties, the UNC degree. Steve Robinson, longtime assistant there as well, are, are some other names that come up. But outside of the family, those four names are four names that I would be uh, taking a look at, Mark Fugé Wright, and then looking at the NBA. Brad Stevens and Billy Donovan coming back to the college within the UNC family or the Roy Williams slash UNC family. You got Jared Hass at Stanford. You got Jerry Stackhouse at Vanderbilt. And then you got um, – Kenny Smith, who's on TNT right now, who's a commentator. Um, you got uh, Steve Robinson and Hubert Davis, longtime assistants for Roy Williams there, who could possibly get looks as well. But all the smoke, all the, all the conversation um, is surrounding Wes Miller. Uh, that would be the leader in the clubhouse. That would be the person that uh, should have the best money line in Vegas to take the job. Um, 
and and it, me personally, Wes is a friend. Wes, I think, would do an unbelievable job. There's no doubt about it. Obviously, the question would come into play as to the recruiting side of things. Recruiting to Greensboro, uh, UNC Greensboro is a whole lot different than recruiting to to UNC. Um, not having been a high major coach or on a high major staff before as well, the recruiting aspect of things would be the question mark. But two positives in that. One, he played high, high major basketball. So he's been in that locker room. He's seen the players and stuff and, and all that. But he's also, um, you know, UNC kind of recruits itself as well. And then also, too, Wes, I have zero doubt about it. Well, X's and O's the heck out of it, and he will be able to motivate and do all that. Wes is an unbelievable coach, and there's no doubt about it that he is a rising star within the industry. Um, he, he, he's, he's good enough. Uh, as a coach on the sidelines, there will be an adjustment period, um, the recruiting aspect, but he's young, he's adaptable, he understands the social media aspect of things, he understands the Carolina way, um, he understands all of that, and he gets it. Um, the staff would be the interesting part with Wes um, as to who he brings in, who he hires, and, 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 and then just gets things rolling. Um, you know, but that was an unbelievable thing. This is my knee-jerk reaction as to uh, what's happening, as I said, right in the middle of the rundown for today. And then, boom, Roy Williams drops. So, got to mention it on the podcast. Got to give my thoughts on it and all that type of stuff. Um, and it'll be interesting to see in the next couple of weeks as well. It'll also be interesting to look at the transfer portal to see what guys on the team currently stay and go. Obviously, Walker Kessler's already put his name in the portal. Uh, Wes Miller's little brother, Walker Miller, actually put his name in the portal yesterday. Um, you have Starley Manley put his name in the portal this morning um, as I'm sitting here hitting refresh on the portal. Um, you know, uh, Caleb Love has said that he's coming back, but, you know, things have changed, I guess, since then. Um, you know, you have the guys like Armando Baycott. You got um, Garrison Brooks, who's eligible for another year. Uh, R.J. Davis, you know, um, Kerwin Walton. What are all these guys going to do as well? And you also have the 2021 class. I don't necessarily see Dontrez Styles or uh, DeMarco Dunn taking a step back and looking around. Um, I, I, I don't think that those guys will waver from their, from their signatures going to UNC. Um, they, they, they have the feel of guys that I've, you know, personally connected with and talked to and everything that they're, they committed to the school, not the coach. So um, wouldn't be surprised to see them both stay in the, stay in the loop as well um, there, but interesting things are going to happen. Uh, We'll see how quickly they move uh, in making the next move. I know Roy Williams has been lobbying, and rightfully so, for Wes Miller here over, over, over the last while, grooming him, getting him ready, and um, here we are. Now let's see what happens next. Uh, moving on, we got the 2021 class. So uh, Rivals.com, as, as you all know, I recently started writing for Rivals.com. We sent out the uh, 2021 rankings, so we're coming through on the update, I think, after the Iverson Classic, after the postseason uh, all-star games and whatnot, we're going to put our final 2021 rankings out, but we're already starting to look at it and everything, make sure that we, we touch up the numbers as the Geico's going on. Right now, we're looking at the players who are playing and giving, you know, a last look as to, as to how it moves forward. But I wanted to touch on the, the center prospects. I want to touch on the five-man position in there. Right now, we currently have um, the top five. Chet Holmgren, ranked number one overall. He's the number one center in the country. Nathan Biddle, prolific prep. Uh, he is the number two at number 18. Uh, then we have Efton Reed, uncommitted senior at number 24. Charles Betty Ako, uncommitted senior at number 29. And then Jonas Adu, another uncommitted senior at 33. So that is the interest that comes with these, uh, with these guys here is four of them, Chet Holmgren, uh, Efton Reed, Charles Betty Ako, and Jonas Adu are unsigned and uncommitted right now. So 
Um, I wanted to kind of dive into the center rankings and how I personally would do them. This does not reflect what the rivals team is doing. Um, Rob Cassidy is spearheading the, um, uh, the rankings and everything. Dan McDonald, Russ Woods, myself, we're all putting our input in and all that stuff. But me personally, this is how I would rank um, the guys. Obviously, number one, Chet Holmgren. Um, he's in the conversation for the number one player overall in the class. Um, you know, he's, he's a unicorn. Uh, he does things that not normally – that we don't see people – normal basketball players kind of do seven foot one. He's got the ball handling skills. He can pull up uh, from three. He's got the smooth shot. He's tough as all get out. Despite his skinny, his, his slender, skinny frame, he's tough as all get out. He talks that talk. Um, he can create off the bounce. He can do some stuff in the dunker position um, and all that. He, he's just, and he's an excellent shot blocker and all that. So he's got oodles and oodles of tools when it comes to his recruitment. All signs point toward Gonzaga. However, Minnesota's making a little bit of push late. Obviously, the dad wants to, would like to keep him close. Um, there's also going to be some conversation of the pro ranks of the, of the Ignite, the G League coming forward as well there. But all signs point to him going to Gonzaga with Coach Mark Few, uh, joining Hunter Salas and the rest of that class um, out there uh, for the Final Four program. My second pick, so the number two for me center in the 2020 class is somebody that we don't even have ranked as a center right now, Musa Diabate. He's at IMG Academy. He's committed to Michigan, Juwan Howard up there. Uh, Musa Diabate for me, I think, it just exudes. He just bleeds professional center, NBA center type stuff. Looking especially as to how Bam Adebayo has, has changed the game, being six foot nine with his length, strength, and ability to really – uh, both protect the rim, move his feet, switch on defense, um, and all that. Musa Diabate is an elite athlete, just a high-level athlete, quick tip, twitch, as well as explosive straight line. He, he, he moves, he opens his hips, he's fluid, he can drop. Um, you know, he, he, again, as we said, he can switch um, and do all that stuff. And, and, and at the center position, so you look through – why this is such an interesting position, because you look through the NBA ranks, you look as, as kids progress forward, S creation, you know, you got guards, shot making, creation, you got wings, you got the playmaking wing, you got the 6'8 playmaking wing, you got, you got the 6'6 six, six. shooting, creation, shooting, creation. Can you shoot and can you create? That's the biggest attribute that you have um, throughout all of these uh, positions. In the center position, however, in the NBA, it's defense. Can you move? Can you protect the rim? Can you move? Can you protect the rim? Can you move? Can you protect the rim? That's what, that's what a valuable center is in the NBA right now. It's not the creation. It's not the shooting. It's not all that. It's can you move? Can you, can you move your feet? Can you protect the rim? Musa Diabate does that at an elite level. Musa, Musa Diabate does that in high school better than, gosh, I can remember of any center prospect coming out um, over the last few years. Um, and he does it at, you know, six foot ten. He's got a very strong, the, the French uh, you know, French native. I remember when he came as a sophomore um, to an event that I ran in Greensboro. Um, and you could see it then. I mean, the way he was able to sit, I mean, get his, get his ass to his knees uh, on defense and guard the ball. Unbelievable prospect there. For me, he's a top 10 guy. For me, he's the number two center in the class. Number three for me, this, 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 is, this is an interesting story. Jonas Adu. Uh, he is uncommitted. He just decommitted from Marquette whenever um, Steve Wojciechowski was let go. He started this year off when he committed to Marquette. He started this year off ranked outside of the top 100. He was number 104. In the last rankings that we had, we bumped him up to 33. Look for another bump possibly coming up in the, in the next rankings as well. Um, for me, as I said, he is the number three center in this class. He, he, he leapfrogs Betty Ako. He leapfrogs Efton Reed. He leapfrogs Nathan Biddle. 
uh, in my mind, um, Jonas is, he just turned 18 years old. So he's the youngest man of the group. Um, he, he turned 18 years old in December. Um, he is long. He's seven foot tall. He is incredibly lengthy, um, carrying a, a plus wingspan. He can shoot the ball from three. He's going to be a 40% type guy at the next level. Um, he can put the ball on the floor. He can get to a spot. So he can rebound and push the break. Uh, plays under control. Uh, this past year, he really developed a post game, especially going over his right shoulder. He's got the touch with his left hand uh, over his right shoulder. He's really good on defense. Um, as his core continues to strengthen, he'll be able to move, uh, continue to, to move a little bit better. Um, you know, but he's great, especially dropping, uh, opening his hips and dropping down. Uh, he can switch. He can hedge. Um, and he is, a, he is an innate, he's an elite-level shot blocker um, as well. Again, defense and shot blocking. But then he adds also the, uh, the offensive skill, the offensive ability to score on the block, the offensive ability to play in the dunker spot, the offensive ability to pick and pop, trail five, push the break. He's got it all there. And he's just coming into his own. Again, he was unranked to start the summer. He ended the summer ranked uh, 104. And then he ended the season ranked 33. Um, continuing to ascend. Young kid, just turned 18 as well. Moving forward, Efton Reed is next up for me. Uh, Efton Reed is uncommitted. Uh, the general consensus is the top three for him right now. You're looking at Pittsburgh. You're looking at LSU. You're looking at Ohio State. All three programs think they are getting him. He's a lock. They, they are curious as to why he has not committed yet. Um, so uh, that'll be interesting to see how that ends up playing out. There's a lot of talk about him going pro. I think within the last probably two to three weeks, um, he's kind of put that pro talk to the side um, and, and, and is going to be going to college. Um, it's uh, those three are probably the three schools that are in the conversation for which school will end up with him. Uh, what Efton Reed is, is incredibly skilled on the offensive end of the floor. I mean, if he was, if he played in the eighties or nineties, um, there would be talk about him being the number one overall pick standing a legit seven foot one. I mean, he's got the low block stuff. He can shoot the three. He can really pass it. He's got the footwork, the feel. He's just incredibly advanced on the offensive end of the floor, especially on the low block. Um, where, where his question marks come in are his overall athleticism. Can he move his feet uh, with that? He can block shots due to his sheer size and length, but he's not an excellent rim protector. Um, you know, so that'll be kind of where the question marks as Efton Reed continues to move forward and be looked at as a, as a pro prospect. Um, you know, the same question marks as like a Luca Garza has or a Drew Timmy has. Um, guys that we'll talk about here in a little bit, um, those same type of question marks, will he be able to guard at that level? Will he be able to move his feet uh, at that level? Will he be able to pre protect the rim at that level once everybody's athletic and big? Um, offensively, there are zero questions about him. Offensively, he's as advanced as a center as there's been in the last five years uh, coming through the ranks. Um, so there goes – there lies the, the, the sex appeal for him at the collegiate level because as we all know too – um, the collegiate level uh, college game and NBA game are played so completely different that, um, you know, the, the, the valuable things in the college level aren't necessarily the same as valuable at the pro level. But Efton Reed would come in at number four for me because of his advanced uh, offensive skill set. Five for me, we're looking at uh, probably Nathan Biddle. I think the Nathan Biddle – so I'm going to go with six guys here because Nathan Biddle and Charles Bediaco for me are kind of a toss-up. Uh, we'll start with Biddle. He's skilled. He runs well. He's about seven foot, six eleven. 200 pounds, so he's relatively skinny, going to need to put on weight. He's not soft. He's, he, he's tough. Um, my question marks with him is, will he, will he continuously get in there and, and scrap and battle out 
Also, the question mark is the defensive side of the ball, is the rim protection. Um, and, and is he able to score against length and athleticism? Um, you know, those are kind of the question marks there. When you look at, when you look at the, the blank canvas of Nathan Biddle, you love what you see. He can knock down jump shots. He can knock down jump shots a little bit off of movement, too. Um, you know, you like all that stuff. But then once, once you put the pedal to the metal, once you put him in and focus on him, uh, it, will he hurt you in a game? Um, playing with this prolific, prolific prep team, uh, you see how they play. He, he looks like he's the fifth option a lot of times out there on the floor. I don't even know if he would uh, necessarily be in, in, in elite teams, you know, how, how much he comes up in, into their game plan. So that's something that he's going to have to continue to develop as he continues to get stronger and all that type of stuff. Um, he's somebody that we have currently at 18. I could see him possibly dropping uh, coming up in these next rankings as well. Um, the, the, uh, in a blank canvas, there's a lot of stuff there. He checks a lot of boxes with the size, um, the fluidity, the way he runs, and then also his skill set and all that type of stuff as well. Um, so um, Nathan Biddle, and then you have Betty Ako. Uh, Betty Ako comes in. Um, he's the nicest guy in the world. He's from Canada originally, played at ISA um, Academy last year, down to IMG post-grad this year. Uh, uh, he's been locked in to Alabama for a long while. Uh, when I say locked in, uh, there's been talk of him going to Alabama for a long time. You still have the likes of Duke um, that are making him think about it um, and all that. Still uncommitted. Um, but all signs point toward Alabama for that one. Um, he is very long. He can play in the dunker spots. He's developed his offensive game this year. Um, the hands are the question mark for me, and how well he moves is the question mark for me. Um, you know, he's a good straight-line athlete. When you get him going, you know, rim to rim, he's a good athlete. Um, when, you have, when he has to shift, when he has to move his feet, when he has to go laterally, at any point in time, there are question marks there. Uh, he, his niceness in the past has also been a question mark. However, he has brought some toughness this year. He's dunked on kids and scared them down and talked some trash about it and, um, you know, done all that this year, which you, which you like to see um, coming from a guy who, who has all that. He's a good, he's a good straight line, um, weak side shot blocker as well. He's strong uh, on the block as well, too. So Biddle and Betty Ako for me are the two um, are, are tied, I guess, for number five. They'll be right there kind of beside each other. They both bring very different aspects of the game, but they both have, have question marks as well um, for me to be that number five and, and six kind of guy there. Going back through it, Chet Holmgren, clear-cut number one. Number two for me, Musa Diabate. Just love the athletic tools and the defensive presence that he brings uh, to the table. Can't wait to see what Jawan Howard is able to do with him next year. Jonas Adu for me, number three, because right now he's almost like Clay, and, and the ceiling is just off the absolute charts for what he could end up being. It'll be very interesting to see. He just decommitted within the last week. It's interesting to see where he ends up at in college. Efton Reed, uh, the skilled five-man, uh, just the offensive gifts for days. Uh, coming in at number four, five, six, right there beside each other, Nathan Biddle and uh, Charles Bediaco for me. So those are the 2021 centers. That, that is just a quick run through of my opinion, where things stand. We're going through the Geico's right now. Um, we're going to the, the game actually just tipped off uh, at noon, the first game for today, the second round. Uh, we're going to be going more in depth next week on that as, as we're right in the middle of it right now. But, but holy cow, Caleb Foster, Put him on watch. The dude was unbelievable last night. Eager to see how he continues to go with things. Eager to see how this whole thing plays out. The whole Geico's Nationals. The field is amazing. They got 10 teams there in Florida. Rob Cassidy for Rivals.com is down there uh, courtside. So make sure that you check him out. 
uh, Cassidy underscore Rob on Twitter. He'll be bringing updates and everything. And check out Rivals.com for his updates as well. Moving on to the Elite Eight. Uh, we just got through here. Uh, we had some great games in Gonzaga versus UNC, Michigan. Or, um, Michigan versus UCLA. Uh, we had Houston versus Oregon State. We had Baylor uh, versus Arkansas. What I want to do here is I don't want to talk about the games. What I want to do is talk about the pro prospects from each game. What got me started on this was Jalen Suggs versus uh, Evan Mobley, the USC versus Gonzaga. Obviously, they're completely different positions, but they're both uh, projected top five guys. I think, I think in this draft, the, the, the top five guys have been pretty well carved out, at least in my mind it looks like, uh, when you have both Evan Mobley, you have Jalen Suggs, you have Cade Cunningham, uh, you have Jonathan Kaminga, and then Jalen Green. I think those five guys are pretty well set to be taken in the top five barring anything catastrophic happening here moving forward. Now, as for the specific order, that's where the questions come in. In this game, you have um, Jalen Suggs, who came out of the game, 18 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists. He was 7 of 11 from the field. Just unbelievable this game. Evan Mobley, um, you know, he was, he was, what, 5 of 11 from the field. Um, coming into the game, so we'll start, with, we'll start with Mobley. Coming into the game, uh, there was huge talk about his defensive upside. He averaged three blocks per game this year for USC. Um, you know, he, he's athletic. He's mobile. Uh, he can move laterally and vertically. Um, timing and all that stuff, as I said, three blocks. That was questioned this game because Drew Timmy, who we'll get to in just a second, pretty much got everything that he wanted. Uh, Evan Mobley showed, you know, 5 of 11. He wasn't great um, scoring the basketball. He also just – Again, Drew Timmy got everything he wanted there. And Drew Timmy is – we'll talk about him here in a little bit. Is he a draft prospect? What is he – how athletic is he? Um, you know, and, and provided question marks there. Sure, Evan Mobley still has unbelievable talent and all that. But for me, the way the game is going, again, as I said earlier in this, the five-man has to be able to move his feet and protect the rim. Move his feet, protect the rim. Um, anything he bring, brings you on offense, it has to be at least adequate, but it doesn't, it's not a necessity. The more valuable, the most valuable player in the NBA, the playmaking wing, the play creation guy, the 6'6 six, six to 6'9 six, dude that can do some stuff off the bounce. You look at LeBron, you look at Kawhi, you look at Paul George, you look at, um, you know, Kevin Durant, all those guys, even, you know, James Harden at 6'4, six, 6'5. Six, like those type of guys, the playmaking wing, the guy who can create off the bounce with some size and length, that's the most valuable guy in the NBA right now. The center you can find, you, you can find for next to the league minimum year after year after year. Guys who start for teams or play vital roles for teams that, that that you know for the league minimum at the center position. It's just not an incredibly valuable spot in the NBA right now. Um, so looking at Evan Mobley to to take a guy in the top two three picks as a center like James Wiseman last year. First off, we look at that class. That class was incredibly down the whole way. James Wiseman had some really unique type of skills and, and tools there as well. To, to warrant him taking that high. He was also in a unique situation in the fact that he went to a team that did not have a lot of holes on their roster, um, a team that could draft for need as opposed to best player available. Again, another philosophy of mine, if you're picking high, pick the best player there because you're, you're high up for a reason. Take the game changer. Don't take the, the positional need. Um, so for me, Evan Mobley, I think, is – Five of five. The five guys that we mentioned earlier, Kaminga Green, uh, Cunningham, Suggs, Mobley. I think Mobley is five of five um, in that. I have a hard time taking him in any higher than that because just of the, the positional 
strength that the rest of the guys have uh, ahead of him. Now, on the other side, Jalen Suggs. I think Jalen Suggs has put his name through this entire year, has put his name in the same conversation as um, Kate Cunningham. I, I, I feel personally me, if it was me drafting Jalen Suggs, I would give a good long, hard look at it. I would see how he tested at the combine. I would spend a lot of time with him um, over the combine time. I would spend a lot, do a ton of background work. I would spend a lot of, again, a lot of time with him, make sure that he got it, make sure that things made sense and, and all that. And I would give very real consideration of taking him number one overall, the positional versatility, the ability to play the one or the two. He is a point guard, but he can also play with his six foot four, 200 plus pound frame. He can play off the ball with his ability to shoot the ball also, um, you know, being a, high 30s, low 40s percentage uh, type of guy from that spot. He can create off the bounce. He can do all that type of stuff as well. And he's tough. He's just tough. He competes. He's got all that innately in him. Uh, Kate Cunningham, uh, he is a, uh, you know, well, he's not even in this game, so we're not going to talk about him. But I think Jalen Suggs has entered his name uh, through, the, through the conference uh, tournament and the NCAA tournament. He has entered his name into the conversation uh, with Kate Cunningham for that possible number one overall pick. Also in this game, Corey Kispert. Um, Corey Kispert, 15 of 30 from three. Uh, he is able to shoot the ball off of multiple ways. As we all know in the NBA, looking at uh, what uh, the Miami Heat was able to do last year uh, through the playoffs, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Joe Harris still making a career, J.J. Redick still making a career. The ability to shoot the ball is so incredibly valued within the NBA right now. Uh, to have somebody on the floor who can space it, um, you know, who can continue spacing, pull gravity um, to create space for the guys to uh, dribble drive straight line downhill to the rim. Um, Corey Kispert, he's 15 to 30 from three within the tournament. He's able to shoot the ball off a variety of ways, the one dribble pull-ups. He's able to shoot off movement off the catch, put him in the corner, knock it down. Um, you know, you run plays through him, pin down screens, all that type of stuff. Corey Kispert has proven the ability to knock things down. He does so with a swagger um, as well. And he stands six, 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 seven. You know, he's tough. He, he gets in there and rebounds um, and does all that. I think he solidified himself as a surefire lottery pick um, with this tournament run. Uh, looking at Drew Timmy, he's going to be a huge question mark. Um, the, the way that he's shown throughout this tournament, especially against Evan Mobley, the, 20, the, the, the ability to score the ball at will against Evan Mobley really opens some eyes. I think he will get first-round consideration. The thing with him is going to be how he tests. How tall is he really? How athletic is he? What is his lateral type movements and all that type of stuff? How well will he test? There's a very good chance that Drew Timmy solidified himself a first-round pick uh, coming up here. Moving on, UCLA. Um, Versus Michigan, um, the big question mark for me, uh, going into Michigan, not the question mark, the guy who had the most buzz in this game, Franz Wagner, Mo Wagner's little brother, coming to this game, people were talking about him, top 10 lottery pick type of stuff. I got a huge question mark with him as to what's his skill set. Obviously, he's got, he's got the physical tools. He's really long, 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, um, he moves so fluidly and everything. The question mark with him is what is his skill set? As you saw down the stretch there, he shot an air ball within, um, you know, one of the last plays that drew up for him. He shot it two feet short of the basket. Um, he also missed another uh, jump shot that they set up for him there coming down the stretch. I think he was one of nine or so in this game coming down the stretch. Can he create off the bounce? Can he shoot the ball? I think he's a 35% shooter for the season. Um, those are very real question marks as, as to what he is. And then also to – the defensive scheme, Juwan Howard has a defensive background. The team defense with Michigan um, has been great all year. Can he defend on an island? How well does he move laterally? The, the defensive numbers, his, his analytics are off the charts. He's an analytics darling. But then when you look at the eye test, because there's a very real thing between the two of them, the eye test, the analytics test, 
he passed the analytics test with flying colors, but then you look at it, can he guard? Can he stay in front of his man? And what is his skill set? I have very real questions. I would not draft him uh, in the lottery, um, you know, off of the games that I have seen uh, him play this year. Um, you know, I, I just don't know what he projects as what he does um, at the next level. And then, you know, if he comes back and his lateral quickness in the, in the combine is, is really good and he ends up shooting it pretty well, then there's still projections to be had there. Um, but as it stands, the 3 and D is the mold for him. I don't know if he threes it enough uh, to be a 3 and D. And, and the D, um, you know, w- we'll see. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Also in that game, you got uh, Jaime Hawkwes and Johnny Juzang. What an unbelievable showing Johnny Juzang has. He put himself on the, on the radar. Uh, with this tournament, and he put himself into consideration. Now, he's somebody that, that will have um, – now, this isn't something that he just had in the tournament. All year he's been leading this UCLA team. UCLA has come under what – a, what a weird season it was for them. Mick Cronin, you know, obviously California was shut down, um, so they had to start the season, like, in hotels. Uh, he wasn't able to see his team at all throughout the summer, all the way until, like, first practice. Um, you know, they, they – just a weird season for UCLA overall. All of a sudden to make this run here that they had with Mick Cronin, um, who people were laughing at UCLA for hiring a couple years ago. Now, all of a sudden, he, he's back in the Final Four um, and all that. Kudos to Mick Cronin. And, and I got to say, they, they have been the most fun team, maybe them and Gonzaga, the most fun team to watch play this. I love their style. I love their NBA style, spacing, uh, high screen and roll, get the matchup you want and attack it. But what, what they do to create that is they have these wings. They have uh, Jaime Jaquez and you have Johnny Juzang are, are the two. Jaquez we'll get to in a second. Johnny Juzang, I think, um, we'll see how he closes out. There's going to be a huge game coming up for him next here. If, if Johnny Juzang does what he does against Michigan in this next game uh, here in the Final Four, Johnny Juzang could be a first-round draft pick. Um, you know, if, if he kind of regresses to the mean a little bit, he is somebody who is firmly in place to come back. He, he, if he leaves, he, he's probably at least going to get drafted. He's probably at least in the second round, all that type of stuff. If he comes back, he's somebody who could vault up. The exact same with Jaime Jaquez, except for Jaime Jaquez, I don't think is in a position to get drafted this year. If he, I don't think he'll come out. If he comes out this year, I don't think he gets drafted. He'll test the waters, I'm sure. He'll go through all this stuff, and, 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 and he should because he needs to have these GMs sit in front of him. He needs to have these GMs get to know who he is and all that type of stuff. He's got, he's got shooting ability. Uh, he's got the fiery nature. He's got the ability to create off the balance. He's got some stuff in the mid post. Um, he's got all that. But I, I can see Jaime Jaquez becoming next year's Corey Kispert, the guy who vaults up into the lottery. And I can see Johnny Juzang. Johnny Juzang's in a little bit more uh, of a situation this year and the fact that he, he, he probably will get drafted or be in, in heavy consideration to get drafted in the second round if he comes out. If he kills against Gonzaga, he'll be, a, he'll be in the first round consideration. But if he comes back next year, he's probably going to be a top 20 type of guy at, at a bare minimum. UCLA, um, th- that'll be an interesting game moving forward. The Houston-Oregon State game, not a lot of pro guys on there. Quentin Grimes is probably the only one. I think Quentin Grimes, um, you know, with his six-foot-five frame, I think that he's a shot maker. Again, incredibly valuable uh, to latch on. You kind of know what you're going to get with him. He's a formal top, top ten. Rivals 150 guy uh, coming out, started off at Kansas, transferred to Houston, uh, where he's been able to reinvent himself, averaging 18 a game this year. Um, he's really shooting the ball. Um, at a really, really high clip. Um, I think right now he is 17 of 39, 43% uh, overall in the tournament. Um, you know, he's a shot maker. Now, can he create? Can he do all that stuff? I think that's where the limitations come in at, but I think he's a surefire guy that's going to get drafted um, this year. 
should probably come out, test the waters. Um, I think he solidified that throughout this tournament run. Um, and as things continue to go, um, you know, probably a second-round guy, but a shot maker, a guy that, that will get drafted. Uh, moving forward, then Baylor, Arkansas. Uh, the, 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 the story of the tournament, Davion Mitchell, um, he is somebody who has shown the ability to defend, to really, really, really defend. He scraps, he's tough, um, and he's playing efficiently on the offensive end of the floor. So he can guard your best perimeter guy, um, and he, he can also finish stuff. I'd like to see him shoot the ball a little bit better. I'd like to see him knock down a little bit more threes. I think he's 4 of 12 right now from three in the, in the tournament. Not bad, 33%, but I'd like to see him kick that up a little bit. But the 24 for 32 from the field is, is off the charts, also with the 16 assists um, and then the, the eight steals. Uh, his on-the-ball defense is, is spectacular. I think uh, Davion Mitchell has moved his way up into the lottery consideration um, the back end of that for, uh, lottery lottery pick, I think um, he has done as he continues to move forward. I think it will only shine um, because he's got great pieces around him as well. Um, also looking at Baylor, Jared Butler, he kind of is what we thought he was, you know, kind of a, a high second-round type of guy. He's got unbelievable handle uh, uh, that he has, but he, he's kind of struggled shooting the ball. He's kind of struggled finishing at the rim. He's kind of struggled knocking down the three ball. He's got a great handle. Um, you know, counters and, and footwork and all that type of stuff. Um, he can defend as well. Very willing, very rugged, not, not rugged, but very willing, very tough-minded defender um, there as well. Probably an upper second-round type of guy. Uh, you look at Moses Mudio across the way there for Arkansas. 6'6", incredibly long wingspan. Um, his thing coming in is the 3 and D type. And good gosh, he has shot the ball awfully. Uh, during during the NCAA tournament. I mean, and, and that's the lasting expression that you have uh, from him and watching him play. 16 of 49 from the field, 3 of 17 uh, from 3, and he had two assists to seven turnovers throughout the tournament. Um, you know, there, there's some very real stuff there. The thing of him, too, is that he's so super young, um, young, for his, young for his class, young for his uh, grade and all that stuff. So, there's upside and there's projection there. Um, but I tweeted this out probably three weeks ago um, or so, just asking, like, what's the difference between Moses Moody and Chris Duarte? Moody, obviously, the age, he's three or four years younger. Um, but Duarte, is just, he's there now. You know what you're getting from him. Now, Moody, will, will go, he'll go higher than Duarte. No questions asked. Duarte should be warranted, though, for, for a back-end first-round draft pick, you know, for those winning teams that you know what you're getting. But I digress. Duarte is not in this conversation. Moses Moody, I think that he uh, obviously hurt his stock in this. The, the combine, the interviews will be huge for him. Running back through the tape, seeing the film uh, from the season will be huge for him, especially as he ended the year, you know, multiple 20-point games and all that type of stuff as he ended the season going. Um, but can – NBA GMs turn that tape on and feel confident that he will consistently make shots and continue to get better uh, throughout his time. I, I think that he went from a top 10 pick to possibly a, a back-end uh, lottery guy, maybe a mid-first-round guy. Um, but the, the physical tools are there, and he, and he has – and we can't be prisoners of the moment here either. He has tape from the entire year for where he had good, good games. Um, you know, on a top 10 team, he was, the, he was the leading scorer, the focal point, all that type of stuff. He's got an entire year of good games here. You can't, we can't just sit here and be a prisoner of the moment with these last NCAA tournament games that he's had. So uh, I, I, I think he's still a lottery guy. He will get consideration there just due to his age and the, the overall of what he did. But 
questions that arise. Um, now, fi finalizing things, we're up to 1,200 people that are in the, in the transfer portal. Um, I wanted to go through every week and name a couple guys that called my eyes. Um, here in the last week, we go from uh, Trey Hannibal, South Carolina, Keon Edwards, DePaul, uh, Patrick Tappé, Duke, Jalen McCreary, South Carolina, Jack Nungy from Iowa are some guys, uh, you know, that just, that just caught my eye a little bit. A mid-major guy to watch, Devontae Carter, Norfolk State. Uh, he's a strong-bodied, six-foot-three, explosive downhill paint touch guard. Fifteen points, five rebounds, four assists, one steal uh, for the MEAC champions. There um, played in the NCAA tournament. He, he's a grad transfer, very, very strongly built, six-foot-three uh, guy who's aggressive uh, and plays tough. He's somebody that you know for a one-year stopgap, um, you know, schools above the MEAC level uh, will be taking a close look. Wouldn't be surprised to see how majors get involved with him and, and him land at a power five type of program uh, moving forward. Another one that caught my eye uh, big time was Kadari Richmond, six foot five out of Syracuse. He played 21 minutes a game, averaged six points, three assists. There was a lot of talk about Kentucky uh, coming up with him uh, on that one. I think it was a huge surprise kind of to the Syracuse people uh, that he ended up leaving. Um, but he's going to be one to watch. He, he really caught the eye just because of the backlash as to the, the Syracuse people um, had whenever he, uh, you know, whenever I put it out on the Rivals, uh, make sure you check it out at Rivals Hoops uh, on Twitter um, and then the Rivals Portal on Twitter and stuff So as we, as we continue to keep up with that. But as I put it out there, uh, the backlash of the, of the Syracuse people, uh, the surprise of him really caught my eye. And then Cole Swider, Cole Swider, top 35 or so guy coming out of high school uh, with the Villanova. He shot 40.5% from three last year at Villanova. Um, standing 6'8", 6'9", uh, um, you know, he, he's, he's a shooter. Uh, as we've seen throughout this tournament, as we've seen throughout this year, shooting is so paramount in the game of basketball right now. Cole Swider shot at 40% at Villanova uh, this past year. Uh, he's been at Villanova three years, coming out as a junior, so uh, he should be somebody who garners a lot of attention as well. Um, but that wraps it up here, guys. Episode 2, Season 2 the Absolute Basketball Podcast. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. Please make sure that you subscribe. Uh, please make sure that you like this video. Give it five stars. Rate it. Um, and then also, to please leave a comment. We want to hear from you. What topics do you want to hear me cover uh, this next coming week? I'm going to try to come at you every Thursday, uh, bringing you uh, all the latest high school news, maybe dipping in a little bit to this, some draft stuff and dipping a little bit into just scouting overall. So some high school news and scouting. That's what we're doing here at the Absolute Basketball Podcast. Make sure you check us out. Again, make sure you check me out on social media, on Instagram, Jamie underscore Shaw 5, J-A-M-I-E underscore Shaw 5. On Twitter, at Jamie Shaw 5. Again, J-A-M-I-E-S-H-A-W 5. And then you can check me out on the YouTube channel, please. Make sure that you check out all the mixtapes and, and all the stuff that we have on the YouTube channel, Absolute Basketball Experience with Jamie Shaw. Go ahead and please subscribe there as well if you subscribe to this podcast. Um, and thank you guys very much. I can't express how much it means to me that you listened um, all the way through this. And please make sure that you reach out. Uh, don't hesitate with any questions. Uh, thank you guys very much. We'll see you next week. All right. Uh, weird year with COVID and all that type of stuff. Kind of how you been getting through it? How you been working on your game? Uh, luckily, I've been, have been able to have a gym I can go to, not too far. So I've just been in there every day, trying to stay active, working on my game, trying to play when I, when I can, play events like these. And, uh, yeah, working on my game. So, I mean, you've already committed to Duke and all that type of stuff. What are you working on in your game right now, and what's kind of what, what you're playing? Uh, 
just working on my game, trying to sharpen everything up, um, putting more of an emphasis on shooting and ball handling, um, but still trying to keep everything else sharp, uh, mid-post game, all that. Um, trying to stay, my, keep my conditioning up with limited games and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, just preparing to get ready to go over there over the summer. And how big of a decision was it for you to actually go to college or go the other route and all that type of stuff? How big of a decision was that? Yeah, yeah, I always kind of wanted to go to college just for the atmosphere, college experience. Um, but it was something I looked at playing in the G League, going overseas, something like that. But um, now nah, I'm locked in on college. I'm going to do it. And then what was it about Duke that kind of the brotherhood? What was it that kind of did it for you? Uh-huh. Um, shoot, everything. I've been to Duke multiple times before I was getting recruited by Duke. Um, I've been there twice just as a kid, um, and I loved it. And and when I started getting recruited, took another visit, loved it. Loved the coaches, loved the area, campus, everything. Um, it's just the right spot for me, you know. After, at one point, my recruitment was, you know, it was hard for me to decide, but there came a time where Duke really separated themselves, so it was easy. McDonald's All-American stuff came out and everything. Not going to have the game this year, but how much of an honor was that? Uh, it was a great honor, you know. I've been watching McDonald's game since I was a young kid, so that was always a dream and a goal of mine. And um, to, be, to be picked, you know, and be part of the club, not only um, as a McDonald's All-American, but as a McDonald's All-American from Washington, from Seattle. Um, it's an honor. So you and AJ coming in next year. Class ain't done yet. We'll get to that in a second. But, like, what, what, are, you, what are you and him talking about right now to bring to the table? Because down the year this year for Duke, what are you all talking about coming in next year and doing? Yeah, um, AJ, that's my guy. We took our visit together. So, you know, we're coming in. You know, we're hearing a lot of noise this year, you know, with the, with the struggles this season. A lot of people, you know trying to, you know, talk to us and stuff like that, you know, we're just going to come in there locked in, you know, ready to work, you know, not not feeling entitled to anything, you know, we're going to come in there and work for everything um, and try and, you know, have a much better season um, next year is the expectation for us. Are y'all two kind of locking in on somebody to come with you? Y'all, y'all two locking in? I mean, there's more people on the table still. Yeah, are y'all talking? Who you got coming in? Yeah, I'm, talk, I'm talking to uh, Patrick and Trevor. Those are my two. I've known them since before. Like I said before, Duke, I know Trevor since eighth grade. Me and Trevor have been going at it. I knew Patrick already since high school started. So just trying to talk to him, not bug him too much, yeah. you know, give him their space because we've been a part of the recruiting process. You don't want to be bugged. Yeah. So we just trying to give him their space. But, you know, here and there, just let him know, yeah, we'd love to play with you. We'd love to have you. Let him know we, uh, what we can do. And what you think you're going to do? What you, think, what you think they're going to do? Oh, I think we're in a good spot, you know. Shoot, I don't know. I know, I know both of them got good options, Patrick. You know, got good options. Um, I know he has a shot of playing with his dad. You know, that's hard to pass up. It is. Um, but, you know, Trevor got some good schools in his mix. So I'm sure it's going to be a tough decision for him. But um, I hope Duke, you know, prevails. Um, I think they'll. I think they would both fit great. So uh, I think we got a good shot. Good deal.